Thank you, Connie, for beautiful special music. And Ariana for scripture reading. That's all part of worship, amen? When we read the scriptures, when we sing to a loving Father, it's part of worship. And I want to pray as part of worship at this moment again, thanking God for the opportunity to share with you this morning, to study God's word and, and to learn again what he has stated in his word. Dear Heavenly Father, what a privilege we have to worship you. We long to be in your presence. We long to be changed, transformed. We long for our hearts of stone to become hearts of flesh. We long to be more like Jesus. This is why we're here. We want to share with each other, encourage each other through words of encouragement, love, and, and, and Father, we invite you to share with us as we study your word. What is it that you want to see in each one of us? That perfect reflection of Jesus who came to save each one of us. We ask that you will speak through your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As a church, we've been um, studying several of our doctrines. And Pastor Jeff and I, we said, you know, we, we rarely specifically talk about some of our, um, you can say, doctrines that are not so popular with other denominations. And Pastor Jeff shared with us, you know, the concept of resurrection. That is in Scripture, in both the Old and New Testament. And the promise that when Jesus comes again, he will raise all those who believe in him. Amen? And last week we shared um, about the earthly sanctuary. And why did God tell Moses, make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell with you. And I share that, that often we, we get to know people the best when we live with them. Ask my wife, Carolina. We get to know each other in the good times and in the not-so-good times. Amen? When we snore and when we don't snore. When we're tired and grumpy and when we're having a great day. And God wanted his people to know him. He wanted to share with them that he is truly a God of love. A God who wants to forgive sinners like us. A God who's not afraid of us. And share with us that we shouldn't be afraid of him either. He's longing to have a relationship with us. So he pitched this tent among all the Israelites. And he shared with them the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption. And we shared a little bit last week about some of the um, furniture that was in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting, and how offerings were brought on a daily basis 
Offerings were also brought on a weekly basis. Offerings were brought also at a monthly basis at the beginning of the month. And also once a year at different times of the year for the Passover, for the Feast of Trumpets, for the Day of Atonement, for the Feast of Tabernacles, special and very specific offerings were brought to the tabernacle. And we learned also last week that um, the manual for the sanctuary, the owner's manual, how to worship before a holy God was given to Moses. And there were different offerings that um, sinners could bring. Some of them were thanksgiving offerings. Some of them were um, guilt offerings, sin offerings. And, and there was a variety of offerings. And depending what the person was wanting to bring to the tabernacle, um, there were specific things that he would have to do with these offerings. The cleansing of the tabernacle happened once a year. It was a very special day. A solemn day. And the priest was allowed once a year to enter the most holy place. Only that one day out of the entire year was he allowed to enter the holy, the most holy place. And there he would bring also a sacrifice, blood would be sprinkled on the cover of the ark. And again, as we spoke last week, sins were forgiven. Does anybody know what date is today? October 22, 2016. 140, oh, sorry, 172 years have passed since that date. For many, it is known as the great, what? Disappointment. Well, why do we want to remember something like that? I don't know about you, but I don't like to remember any of my disappointments. I want to forget them. I want to... Put him aside. But in the 1800s, there was a Baptist pastor by the name of William Miller. And in his study of Scripture, both the book of Daniel and Revelation, he knew something very important would happen during his lifetime. And it wasn't just William Miller who was studying this. But many others had studied this before. Isaac Newton, Martin Luther, 300 years, 400 years before William Miller had said something important will happen three, four hundred years from now. And the Episcopalians were studying this. The Catholics in South America were studying this. The Methodists were studying this. And if you open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 8, you want to go to this prophecy that is found in the book of Daniel chapter 8. 
We find in verse 1, the setting in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar. A vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. And there Daniel describes what he saw in vision. While he was looking, and this was, he tells us, in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And what was the first thing that Daniel saw? He saw a ram. And many of us have heard this before, and you might be asking, Pastor Sam, why are you talking about this? We know this prophecy well. We've studied it. He saw a ram. He also saw a he-goat. He also saw a little horn. And he particularly writes about this little horn because this little horn did exceedingly evil. It was worse than the kingdom before him. And it was worse than even the kingdom before the he-goat, which is the ram. If we go to verses 9 and on, it describes a little bit of what this little horn power does. And out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, because of sin, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices. And he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Daniel was shocked with what he had just seen. And then he hears. Now he's not seen, but he hears two holy beings speaking one to another. And he said, One of them said to the certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation, the giving both of the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? Do you ask yourself that question, brothers and sisters? How long? How much longer do we have to wait? Look at all the actions of the little horn, what he's doing. And we still have to endure this. But praise the Lord for verse 14. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, when then what will happen? The sanctuary will be cleansed. I want to share with you something that William Miller and many others during his time came up with as they studied this particular prophecy. And we will do this um, through a small video, four or five minutes long video.
gospel was about to be opened up. Okay? So it, it, 457 is the start date, and then it sends us into the fail thing. You can only imagine the excitement in, in the people that were hearing this message for the first, second, or third time. As they studied scripture, they, they said, wow, this is happening in our time. This is prophecy being fulfilled in our time. God will do something incredible in our time. And of course, there were many interpretations out there. And... I'll skip over to the different interpretations. There was a purification of the church. Some of them saw the sanctuary being the church. Others saw the liberation of Palestine already in Jerusalem. Others, the return of the Jews to Palestine. Others saw at this point, 1844, the fall of the Turkish or Muslim power. Others saw the destruction of the papacy the restoration of true worship, the beginning of the earthly millennium, the day of judgment, the cleansing of the earth by fire, the second advent. What was William Miller preaching? The second advent. Jesus would come again on October First it was 1843, nothing happened, and then it was 1844. It's known in Christian history as the Great Awakening. People from different denominations were waiting for something huge to happen. But they were all disappointed. Nothing happened. Some had sold their... Um, wagons, their horses, their homes, their businesses. And when that day came and went, they found themselves with nothing. Disappointed, discouraged. What happened? Some decided that the Bible was no longer true, that it had errors, and that you could not fully trust it. But a small group of people decided otherwise to study and pray. And they understood that the Bible wasn't wrong. Who was wrong? They were wrong with their interpretation. So it had to mean something different. And so prayerfully, they came together in small groups to study God's word. Is there a blessing, brothers and sisters, when we come together and study God's word? prayerfully. There are blessings when we do that. And this little group of people continued looking for answers. And they found answers in Leviticus chapter 16. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to go
quickly there and look at some of the things that they found there and that are present in, in this study that they made. Leviticus chapter 16. And these were things that probably jumped out at them as they studied it and they tried to understand what is God speaking about when he says that the sanctuary shall be cleansed. They found that the priest had to bring in the blood of a young bull for the sin offering. But he also had to bring the blood of a ram as a burnt offering. And this was going to be for the community. This was for the whole congregation. And interesting enough, we find the ram here in Leviticus 16. And we find a ram also in Daniel chapter 8. The priest was supposed to wear a special garment. And this was a fine linen. Very simple but very clean and appropriate for the occasion. Also, um, Leviticus 16 and verses 5 and 7 mentions two goats. One was for the Lord, and this one would be slaughtered, and the other one would serve as a scapegoat, and it would not be slaughtered. And we also find in verse 15 that the blood of the goat was for the Lord. Verses 16 and verse 20. Why don't we read it? Leviticus chapter 16, verse 16. This is what my Bible says. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And I'll skip down to verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. So not only... Were the people being cleansed? Not only was the priest being cleansed, but also we find that the sanctuary was being cleansed. Now, William Miller had a hard time understanding this prophecy because there was no temple in his time. The temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed in the year 70 AD. But not only William Miller had a hard time understanding this prophecy, Daniel, the prophet who received it, had a hard time understanding this prophecy because the temple had also been destroyed by the time he had this prophecy or this vision. So they were confused as to what sanctuary. But does the Bible give us answers, brothers and sisters, as to what was God referring to here? Praise the Lord. His word has answers. And this day of atonement, if you go to Wikipedia and you just look it up, um, you'll find that for Jews today, it is the holiest day of the year. They call it a Sabbath of Sabbaths. The purpose of it is for atonement and repentance. It is a day of fasting and prayer. They make sure they are right with God and right with their neighbor. Should that be our attitude today? 
Should we be asking God, God, how can I make things right with you? And how can I make things right with my neighbor? Why did the sanctuary need to be cleansed? What was brought on a daily basis to the sanctuary? What was confessed on a daily basis? Sins. The sins of the little ones. The sins of the adults. The sins of the older members of the community. Everybody came to the sanctuary to basically present their sins to a holy God. And that brought uncleanness inside the tabernacle. The book of Hebrews, chapter 8 and verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. Speaks about a greater tabernacle, a greater sacrifice, a greater mediator or priest. In Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 tells us, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. What is the main point? We have what? A high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty. Where, brothers and sisters? In the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Paul here is saying, look, what I'm trying to tell you is that, yes, Jesus is our high priest. And he is right now at the right hand of God. Amen. You see, priests, you go to Leviticus chapter 16 again, and you look at verses 1 and 2. Even though they were the high priest, could they just present themselves before God? Verses 1 and 2 of the book of Leviticus tells us that the two sons of Aaron, his two sons, died because they brought strange fire before God. They perished. And the veil that was set inside the tabernacle was there because Aaron, as a sinner, could not approach a holy God. That was the reason why this veil was. And if that wasn't enough, there was an incense, an altar of incense that was burning there day constantly. And the smoke would also serve as a screen before Aaron and his sins and a holy God. Praise God that we have a perfect mediator, amen, who sinned not. He was able to walk straight into the most holy place and start a ministry of redemption, of reconciliation. That's what the word atonement means. In fact, many believe that the best word translated for the word kippar or keper in Hebrew is the English word atonement. Because what it means is at one mint. Do you hear that? 
at one meant reconciliation, united with God. Another text that we find in the book of Hebrews is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. And I read, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Amen? The book of Revelation describes the Lamb of God who had been slaughtered, who had been killed, sitting at the right hand of God. Amen? A perfect sacrifice, a perfect mediator whose purpose was to make things right. Do you ever get frustrated? Yes, and trying to make something happen and it just doesn't happen? It doesn't matter how hard you try and how many people you ask and, and how many things you do, but it, it just doesn't work. And we just feel like, Wow, you know, this is, this is difficult. But praise God, there is someone who can make things right. His name is Jesus. And it doesn't matter how much we have messed up in our life. He can make it right. He can change us. He can transform us. He can make us into a new creation. Is that good news, brothers and sisters? That is great news. So the early Millerites continued to study. And as they were studying, um, I'm going to ask somebody to change the next slide for me. Because I don't know. I have it right here. Where is it? It's right here. (laughs) Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Um, Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And again, there's a sequence of animals that Daniel sees here in this vision. First, he sees a lion, then he sees a bear, then he sees a leopard, and then he sees this undescribable beast that also has ten horns, and then a little horn also comes out. Um, This is in verse 8. Maybe we can start there. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. But then he describes what he sees. I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow. Beautiful. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated 
and the books were open. Now, this is a pretty exciting description of a courtroom, wouldn't you say? I don't know about you, but it doesn't matter how nice and impressive a courtroom might appear. Do any of you want to be there? I don't want to be there. It's just like, why do I have to be in this situation, in this environment, in this room? But yes, the Bible describes that during the time of the little horn, there would be a judgment taking place upon planet Earth. Who was judged in this courtroom? Describes two entities. One was the little horn. Verses 11 and 12 tell us what happened to the little horn. But also God's people are judged in this courtroom. How do they do? Is there enough evidence to keep us from heaven, brothers and sisters? There's enough evidence, at least on my side, to keep me from heaven. I'm sure there are heavenly beings saying, is it okay for Sam to be with us one day? Is it okay for human beings to be part of a perfect world, a holy world? Is it really safe? For them to live with us. But praise God for verses 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Amen? That's great news. There's one like the Son of Man with the difference that he never sinned. Amen? There's one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. There's one like the Son of Man who approaches the Ancient of Days. There's one like the Son of Man who has given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him, should worship him. Some of you know that there's a group um, that meets once a year, sometimes here in Fallbrook. This year it's going to be in Chico, California, that study Daniel 12. Yes? And not just Daniel 12, but Daniel 8, Daniel 9, different parts of the book of Daniel. And one of the questions that I get a lot is, what are you studying? What have you found out? According to Scripture, In the year 1844, a pre-Advent judgment has begun. Your name, 
my name needs to be in that heavenly sanctuary. Amen? Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 tells us, at that time, Michael, after he has gone through this process, and we do it here in our earthly courts, there are preliminary, what is it called? Hearing that takes place. Then the evidence is brought. And then there's another court date for a sentence. Daniel here tells us in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written, where, brothers and sisters? In the book. Do you want your name to be written in the book? I want my name to be written in the book. Even if I don't get to see this, I want my name to be written in the book. Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3 tell us, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. How can we shine that way? How can we share in that way? We can only do that if Christ is living where, brothers and sisters? In our hearts. The good news is that there is somebody in heaven who is mediating between you and the accusations of Satan. Amen? Not only is he our mediator, but he is also our judge. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's amazing news. Incredible news. And the only thing that he asks us is that we will trust in him, that we will believe in him, that we will believe in his plan of redemption. And as we look at the sanctuary, brothers and sisters, can we say that sin is something that is terrible? Is it something that, that, that puts barriers between us and our brother or sister? Can, can we say it's something that, that also puts a barrier between ourselves? Many times asking the question, why am I even doing this? It doesn't feel right. It's not good. But it also puts a barrier between us and Jesus, God. But praise God that he has the solution for sin. In reading the book, Steps to Christ, I came across this quote, and I want to share it with all of you. I believe it's, it's, 
It's profound in, in what it says. As your conscience has been quickened by the Holy Spirit, you have seen something of the evil of sin, of its power, its guilt, its woe. And you look upon it with abhorrence. You feel that sin has separated you from God, that you are in bondage to the power of evil. The more you struggle to escape, the more you realize your helplessness. Your motives are impure. Your heart is unclean. You see that your life has been filled with selfishness and sin. You long to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be set free. Harmony with God, likeness to him. What can you do to obtain it? It is peace that you need. Heaven's forgiveness and peace and love in the soul. Money cannot buy it. Intellect cannot procure it. Wisdom cannot attain to it. You can never hope by your own efforts to secure it. But God offers it to you as a gift without money and without price. It is yours if you will but reach out your hand and grasp it. The Lord says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. You have confessed your sins, and in heart put them away. You have resolved to give yourself to God. Now go to him and ask that he will wash away your sins and give you a new heart. Then believe that he does this because he has promised. Amen? Did God keep his promise when Jesus came for the first time? Yes? Did he come on, did he come on time? Jesus came right on time, just like the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9 predicted it to be. Will Jesus come again on time, brothers and sisters? He will. And the only thing we need to do is grasp for that free gift that he gives us all. Amen? And accept it and believe that he can change you. He can change me. He can change us all into the likeness of his Son, Jesus Christ. The peace that that can give us, unmeasurable. The joy that we can experience, unheard of. And today, more than ever, I think there's a world that needs to hear this message. Amen? There's a God who wants to make things right. And praise the Lord that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Not only is he the perfect sacrifice, but he's the perfect mediator and the perfect judge. Who alone can bring salvation. Amen? Is there hope for us today? No, there is hope. Are we going to share this hope with somebody else? I pray to God that we do. But first of all, I pray that we accept it. Amen? That we believe in it. And by God's grace, one day, um, live with him for all of eternity. Amen.
I invite the congregation to stand as we sing our final hymn. Hymn number